The Andy Staples Show is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know college football ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. There are tickets across all major leagues and teams. The app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. There's a panoramic seat view photo that you can look and see exactly where you'll be sitting. It is fantastic. So head to the App Store or Play Store now to download GameTime and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show, Tuesday night rankings edition. The College Football Playoff Selection Committee has released its latest batch of rankings. They are hot and piping fresh. Actually, they're not very fresh. Very little has changed. But that doesn't mean we can't hypothetical the hell out of this thing. To help, our very own Matt Fortuna from The Athletic joins us. Matt, uh, this was not a huge move, you know, not a lot of movement. Uh, you saw USC show up at the bottom of the rankings. I thought that was interesting. Uh, but at the top, same top six, same top seven, uh, you had Oklahoma move up one spot by beating Baylor. That, that might be the one thing I was a little surprised by. I thought the committee might give the Sooners a little more push after that win against Baylor. But it just seems like they are not fond of Oklahoma or Baylor. Yeah, I had two big takeaways from tonight. The first one was the same as you. I think Oklahoma's in trouble. They're going to need some help from uh, a lot of people. Not a lot of people, but some people in front of them losing unexpectedly. And my other takeaway would be, uh, I think the Pac-12, based on the body of work so far, Oregon and Utah, are a little high. I mean, to, to just hear Rob Bones' explanations on TV and, and contrast that with what he said about other teams, I have a hard time justifying Oregon and Utah with that rationale ahead of Oklahoma at, based on what we've seen so far. And I, I would say the same thing for Penn State being ahead of Minnesota as well, although I don't think we're talking about potential playoff teams uh, with either of those right now. But th- those are my three real big takeaways from, from uh, the Tuesday Night Selection Show. I'm glad you said that about the two Pac-12 teams in Oklahoma because I'm glad I'm not crazy. I keep looking at this and going, why do they like those two so much better than Oklahoma? What makes them think that one of those two is taking a game off of Ohio State or Clemson over Oklahoma? And I'd like to introduce, I've, I've, I've mentioned this theory before in other places, but I've never really named it. So... It's not a theory so much as a method. I feel like during the last committee deliberation, this is how they should handle deciding who the number four team is because it's always it's always seems to be where the controversy is. So I like to call it my kidnap the head coach of the number one team and drug him with sodium, sodium pentothal method. And while in previous years this probably was easier because you were kidnapping Dabo Sweeney or, or Nick Saban, this year you might have to kidnap Ed, Ed Orgeron. And you're going to have to hire some big guys. Uh, they are probably going to need training in many different martial arts to subdue Ed Orgeron, but it has to happen. So I, I'm sure they're praying that the committee 
takes a shine to Ohio State down the stretch if they beat Penn State. Let's say they, they slaughter Penn State and Michigan. You know, I, I think the guys who have to kidnap the number one coach are praying it's Ryan Day instead of at Orgeron, and I, I understand that. But the, the fact of the matter is the number one coach needs to be kidnapped, and he needs to be dosed with sodium pentothal, and that's truth serum for those who don't know. And he needs to be asked one question. And I'm, this is this assumes that it's a two-team race for the four spot. If it's a three-team race, it gets a little more complex. But if it's a two-team race for the four spot, you go, okay, Coach O, okay, Coach Day, you've been drugged. You're going to tell us the truth. Your options are Oregon or Oklahoma. Who would you rather play? Whatever team he answers, you pick the other one. Because he's going to answer the team he thinks he can beat. You in for that, Matt? That's, uh, for entertainment purposes, although I, I think it'll be I mean, just it's a federal crime, job. yes, I understand. <laughs> it, it, for entertainment purposes, for legality purposes, I think it'll be just as dramatic to see Rob Mullins go out there and explain why Oregon did or didn't make it if they finished 12-1. and one. Um, I think that's going to be very high theater, especially as he explains it publicly while probably throwing his committee members under the bus if they get left out because, of course, he'll be recused from said deliberations. <laughs> I had uh, nothing to do I, with it. <laughs> I I think that would be fun to see Ed Odron like that. Um, I, I do think the think, needle would break you know, off in his skin. That's what I'm worried about. <laughs> Here's the thing. If you did that with Nick Saban last year, he probably was at Georgia, who he just beat. And I just could not get behind the fact oh, no, that he Georgia would not, was a playoff team last year. He would year. not have said Georgia, so you would have chosen Georgia. He didn't. He would not have wanted to see Georgia again. He would that's have, what I'm he saying. He would have picked Oklahoma, yeah. yeah. Well, that's no, what I'm right. saying. And I, I just could not justify a two-loss Georgia team that lost one of those games by 20 points and played absolutely no one non-conference getting in the playoff last year. I just could not get behind that. So uh, while I understand that, Look, Vegas odds are usually right. You know, we can predict who's going to win these games most of the times. And I still think even with Mac Jones, most of these coaches are going to be scared crapless of Alabama when Nick Saban has a month to prepare for them. Well, um, I'm taking Alabama out of that equation. I'm saying I'm saying the Pac-12 champ or Oklahoma. And and I think if you give them a choice, I don't know, maybe maybe they feel differently if it's Utah because of, of how good Utah is at both, on both lines of scrimmage. But my guess is... If you give Ryan Day or Coach O the choice, they're going to say, I'd rather play the Pac-12 team because I don't want <laughs> to risk having to play Oklahoma's offense. And that's why you yeah. pick Oklahoma. I think probably, but I also think we get in the habit, or I should say coaches get in the habit of just obsessing over what they can't control. And when you're playing an offense that breaks the yards per play record every single year and has a dual-threat quarterback who makes it to New York as, at the very least, a Heisman finalist every year. You're thinking a lot more about that than you are the other guy, Justin Herbert, who's more of your traditional pocket passer but might be a first-round pick and has quietly had one of the best seasons in the country this year and is, on the other hand, has a really, really, really good defense, which Oklahoma does not. So uh, I think that that's almost coach speak to, to obsess over Oklahoma in that sense. But point being from before – I don't understand why Oregon is as high as they are when their only win over a ranked team is number 23 USC and Utah lost to that only other ranked team, number 23 USC, while Oklahoma has wins over number 14 and number 22 and still has to play number 21. 
Yeah, I, I thought Oklahoma State bearing where where it was also was was interesting because I think that'll give them some cover to to pop them up pop up Oklahoma if they if they suddenly the wind shift and they decide wait uh, what are we thinking here Oklahoma would be better than either of these Pac-12 teams but it is it is kind of baffling to me and maybe there's not that much space I mean they they don't say how much space there is between each team so maybe there's really not that much space between Oregon and Utah and Oklahoma but it feels like there is and what's interesting and I I just I know I just threw out Alabama there Alabama still is there at five they did not get downgraded Rob Mullins was asked about it he said they're they're they can't be predictive based on the Tua injury they can only judge Alabama based on what happens after the Tua injury so you're going to see them against Western Carolina this week and then a much bigger challenge at Auburn but I do wonder now what their line of thinking is about Alabama are they are they now going to look for reasons to drop them you know I, I I wouldn't rule them out completely just yet but it's going to take a lot of things happening elsewhere in the country and within their own conference for them to get in because unless Mac Jones does look as good as Tua did which I highly doubt based on the limited sample we've seen of him so far this year um, unless they beat Auburn in a 59 nothing manner the way Ohio State did over Wisconsin in 2014 which is probably the only parallel we have to this kind of injury um, in the college football playoff era. And even then, Ohio State had a conference championship to show for it when all was said and done. Um, I don't know if Alabama is just going to have enough on the resume. I mean, the, the best win is going to be an over-Auburn team that when they beat them will have at least four losses. So I wouldn't rule them out yet. I mean, if everyone else cannibalizes themselves around the country and 11-1 Alabama sitting right there and this looked really good under Mac Jones, hey, they're, they're probably going to be one of the four best teams and they're probably going to get in. I, I just can't envision a scenario a realistic scenario where chaos happens and everyone crumbles all around them between now and then and uh they get in i mean it, it's going to take a, a lot and it's it's interesting it's like a, i wouldn't call it a new era but i mean we haven't had a playoff without alabama like i'm still trying to process like what looking at Stu's bowl projections and, and elsewhere like alabama in the orange ball like against virginia tech or, or whatever it is like yeah, we've heard, we've heard in the past about Saban referring to to some of those games as consolation games after the fact when they lose them, and I'm just trying to imagine the number of Alabama first round picks that are going to be skipping uh, a non playoff bowl if this happens. I I don't even know how many are going to be healthy for the bowl game. They lost Raekwon Davis. <laughs> Good point. Because <laughs> you know all the all the focus was on the two injury. Raekwon Davis went out, and then Henry Ruggs went out too. I think I think Ruggs is supposed to be back for the Auburn game, but you know I, I don't see any of the draft eligible guys playing if they're in the Orange Bowl against whatever ACC team that is, whether it's Virginia, Virginia Tech, Pittsburgh, whoever that may be. Uh, it is it is strange to try to process that, but it, it does feel like that's the direction we're headed. But you mentioned scenarios, so let's... I, I said we're going to hypothetical the hell out of this. I'm going to give you some hypothetical scenarios, and I want you to tell me who makes the playoff. So I'm going to start you... I'm going to start you with an easy one. Georgia and LSU meet in the SEC championship game without either one taking another loss between now and then. Ohio State goes undefeated. Clemson goes undefeated. One of the the, the Pac-12 teams finishes 12-1 as the champ, and Oklahoma finishes 12-1 as the Big 12 champ. Georgia beats LSU in the SEC championship game. 
who makes the playoff. See, I don't know if you watched the end of the ESPN show, but they had a really a similar hypothetical that included Minnesota beating Ohio State to go 12-1. That, that, that is one of my more advanced hypotheticals that we're going to get to. <laughs> so we'll get to that. So let's pretend Ohio State's undefeated, right, in this scenario? Yes. Um, I think the Pac-12 and Oklahoma are left out, and I feel actually very comfortable saying that right now. Um, both the 12, I mean... Georgia 12-1 and one with wins over Auburn and LSU. LSU, I think, will have basically earned a mulligan by that point. And Ohio State and Clemson are undefeated. I mean, I think it's a fairly easy choice in that scenario, especially considering a 12-1 Ohio State team uh, that won the Big Ten last year finished number six. Like, it's not unprecedented to leave out a one-loss Power 5 champion. All right, so that that makes perfect sense, too. And this is the one scenario where two SEC teams would get in and people wouldn't completely freak out. They'd be like, yeah, that sounds pretty reasonable. All right. All right. Now let's have a little more fun. Let's inject <laughs> just a touch more chaos. We'll talk about the one you just mentioned. Everything I said stays the same with the exception of Big Ten West champion Minnesota beats Ohio State and becomes 12-1 and Big Ten champion Minnesota. So this is the one they brought up at the end of the show. And it was funny hearing they argued about it for a while before like Herb Street stepped in and was like, this isn't happening. Let's just stop. But Herb Street said LSU would be out and David Pollock said Ohio State would be out. I would I think Ohio toward, State would be out. I think Ohio State would be out. I mean, I I could see Minnesota being out. I just think that's like you're almost, you know, when when you're splitting hairs the way we are here, you're 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 going with the argument you can justify the most, and I think it's very hard to justify putting Ohio State in over Minnesota with the same record the day after, hours after Minnesota would have just beaten them, and that would have been Minnesota's. I mean, assuming this scenario plays out as currently constructed, they would have beaten number eight Penn State, number twelve Wisconsin right now, and number two Ohio State. That's, that's a really that's good resume. A, I don't care who you play non-conference. Plus, you've got the uh, the Big Ten title. I think you got to give it to them. I mean, uh, Michigan will have what three losses after Ohio State beats them. So, I think you got to go with them. I, I, I can't. How dare you assume Georgia. that Ohio State will beat Michigan? <laughs> How dare I, you? Well, this is the scenario, right? Undefeated Ohio State. You made the scenario, so I'm following your lead. <laughs> How dare uh, I <laughs> just assume that Ohio State will beat Michigan? All right, let's let's one more. This is this is the galaxy brain scenario. So, twelve and one Pac twelve champ doesn't matter which one. Mm-hmm. Twelve and one Oklahoma. Ohio State loses to Penn State this weekend, but then wins out. Twelve and one Ohio State Big Ten champ, but not invincible Ohio State. Clemson goes undefeated because I can't even make anything up where they lose. Yeah, really. Texas A&M beats Georgia this weekend. Georgia then beats LSU in the SEC championship game. Well, if Ohio, Penn State could still win the division, though, in that scenario, right? I mean, I don't think if, if Ohio this is basically going to decide the East this week. And I think you said 12-1 and Ohio State. Oh, but you're they right. they lose to Penn State, uh, Penn right. State's I, not going to lose the Rutgers. I blew that. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> well, change that. Ohio State beats Penn State. Loses, loses to Michigan, to there. Michigan there which go. for juiciness purposes is way better anyway. And I don't know why I didn't yeah. think of that first. So, yes, they lose to Michigan, win the East, then win the Big Ten at 12-1. and 1. And 
Sure, it would have been a two-loss SEC champion Georgia in this scenario. Eleven and two Georgia, twelve and one LSU because they've just lost to Georgia in the SEC championship. I think Ohio State's in. I think LSU, if they're twelve and zero going into that game, is in, barring like a fifty-nine nothing crazy kind of game. Uh, Clemson's in, mm-hmm. and. I think you got. I think George would get it. I mean, the idea of the uh, SEC champion left out. That one. That one would make the people go insane. That one would. Would make it the though? I mean, else. yes, it would. I think if LSU got left out, that would be an easier pill for others to swallow. But just because they wouldn't have won a conference championship, but Georgia beat Notre Dame, which is what sixteenth. They beat Florida team. I mean, right. Georgia will have a really good resume, even with two losses. Um, and they will have a win if, against twelve and zero LSU at that point. Exactly, and they'd have the SEC championship, which is like your automatic entryway into the playoff. I mean, I, I think that's probably the most likely scenario. I mean, we're already looking. The committee at least seems already be looking for reasons to keep Oklahoma out. The public seems to be keeping reasons, looking for reasons to keep the Pac twelve out. I think in this scenario, that's how it happens um, without with, with chaos happening elsewhere. That would be so much fun, though. That would be a great conference championship Saturday if, if we got something like that. Uh, if Minnesota wins, it'll be great. Can you imagine I, the politicking P.J. Oh, Fleck would do in the 12 hours between beating be Ohio State? and <laughs> oh, it's If Dabo really threw amazing. a pizza party for Clemson making it, what would P.J. do? Ice like fishing. Bar party? Yeah. Ice fishing. Oh, ice, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Every, everybody goes and saws a hole in a frozen lake. <laughs> They try to pull a uh, national t- title. He ziplined across yeah, the Mississippi I, River ahead of the Super Bowl in Minnesota a couple I, of years I, ago. Chaos is going to happen. That's true. That's true. And when he was in Western Michigan, they were jumping in icy lakes. He's he's down for that sort of Midwestern shenanigans. So. <laughs> and walking over uh, fire coals, I believe. Oh, did Tony Robbins make him do that? Or <laughs> <laughs> I, I, all right, so I think. All of this would be fun. Matt, this is the week in the season that we always assume will be the most boring, but it feels like you get a little more chaos this week. A&M Georgia strikes me as a chaotic type game because Georgia doesn't stomp anybody. Like, they don't just blow teams out. So if you make a couple mistakes, I mean, they they lost to a worse team than Texas A&M at home already. So... Actually, they lost to the team that Texas A&M just beat 30-6. to So, I do wonder, you know, if that happens, is is that a sign that, that LSU is just going to roll over Georgia? Or is it maybe we're going to get some, some good chaos, some fun chaos on Championship Saturday? I, I think it would be more of a sign of chaos to come because, like you said, I mean, Georgia hasn't passed the eye test in the sense of, they run a pro-style offense. They win these games pretty soundly. Uh, they have a great defense and one that I'm still looking forward to seeing going up against LSU's offense uh, in the SEC title game. Uh, I think now that they've got that kind of loss out of the way, that they've won a big game at Auburn, that they beat Florida, that they have the East locked up, I, I, I get the sense that this is a program that realizes, hey, everything is still in front of us. We're going to be locked in. We're not going to take anything for granted we can beat A&M. That said, A&M's played better. Uh, they have really good players on that roster. They have a really good coaching staff. That definitely could happen. Um, and, and that's where more chaos happens. Another one I'll throw out for you, and not just because I'll be at this game, 
Tanner Morgan's still in concussion protocol. If he can't start in Northwestern, which found, like, I guess half a pulse against half a team in UMass last week offensively. Uh, you know, Matt, before you, before, you, before you finish talking about that, I am tired of these Big Ten teams playing cupcakes in November. Tired of it. <laughs> Sick of it. How dare Minnesota they? playing Northwestern or Matt? Northwestern playing UMass? Northwestern playing UMass. Or Penn UMass. State playing Rutgers. What about the integrity <laughs> of the game? Don't you know you're supposed to play your cupcakes in September and they're supposed to be from the MAC? And then you're never supposed to play a cupcake. You're not supposed to creatively schedule to help your conference. How dare you? Sorry. Go on. Well, you know, it's funny you say that because full confession, I have not exactly watched every single uh, ESPN playoff selection show from start to finish, but I did knowing I was going to be on the esteemed fired tonight. And so I got to say, I was very impressed with, the questions these guys asked, particularly of Mario Cristobal, who went on after his athletic director, Rob Mullins. And uh, first off, I'd say good on Mario Cristobal for uh, being asked how his team's gotten better since Auburn. And the first thing he cited was the number of injuries they had that game. Great talking point. It's almost as if he knows someone who's in that committee room and what they stress. Uh, but David exactly. Pollock and, asked and they, they were <laughs> they were pretty de- depleted on the receiving core when they played Auburn. They were. So they were. He's not um, wrong. But David Pollock said, if you go 12-1 and one and you get left out, I mean, is this going to force you to rethink how you schedule? Because you didn't have to schedule Auburn. Utah didn't schedule anyone good non-conference. And, you know, they and he's like, Mark Helfrich was the coach when Auburn got scheduled. <laughs> no, but he said, you know, that's a game we'll schedule every single year. Uh, we learn a lot about who we are. We went in the locker room after that game, and we said, look, we know we can play with pretty much anyone. We know what we still have to get better at. We know we're going to get healthier. Like, that, that's football. Like, that's a season. Teams get better from week one to week 14. I mean, no better uh, example of that than Ohio State the year they won it all in 2014 with uh, a redshirt freshman quarterback at the beginning of the season in JT Barrett. I mean, I just think that has to count for something. And I can't help but think subconsciously, like, the committee is either going to reward Oregon or has been rewarding Oregon, at least over Utah, for the simple fact that, hey, you're undefeated in Pac-12 play. You lost a heartbreaker to a good but probably not great Auburn team that you didn't have to schedule. It like running the table in your conference, that's not easy. And it's really not easy in a nine game conference schedule like the Pac twelve. You know the last time that's happened was twenty ten when Chip Kelly took Oregon to the national title game. It's the last time there's been a perfect Pac twelve season. So if Oregon's twelve and one with that close buzzer beating loss to Auburn, it's going to be very, very, very discouraging, I think to see that team get left out, regardless of what else happens uh, around the country. I think it depends if two teams that beat Auburn get in instead and have the same record or better record, then it doesn't feel that bad. So, uh, but yeah, I just, I, I do think there's going to, there, there's one more just weird result that's going to change the way we think about this stuff. The, the one I, I also keep thinking about is I still – as much as I said I like Oklahoma and I think I would like Oklahoma better than a 12-1 and Pac-12 champ, I still don't completely trust Oklahoma and I don't trust them to win Bedlam, even though obviously Oklahoma has dominated that series. But you go to Stillwater, you get some weird weather in late November. That one, that one could change the, the chess pieces a little bit here too. I tweeted after the Baylor game that they've turned into like the best reality show there is because every game is entertaining and they, whether it's games like last week where they have this epic comeback against an undefeated Baylor team in prime time, 
or games like the week before where they cough up a 21-point lead and come a, a probably a bad no-call away from losing at home to Iowa State. I mean, there's just something about this team that there's always in-game drama. Um, they're not blowing people out the way they were in years past. And I'm with you. I mean, I don't think it's a team that we can automatically assume is going to win out. I mean, they're probably going to have to play Baylor again. I, I doubt Baylor plays a sharp a half, a first half as they did at home undefeated with game day in town as they did this past week that they will in Dallas in a couple of weeks. But, you know, it's a team that's obviously capable, capable of beating Oklahoma. And, yeah, Bedlam's Bedlam. I mean, crazy things happen. Oklahoma does own that series, but – this Oklahoma team is it's the blindfold test, the true serum test you mentioned earlier. I mean, yeah, I think they're a team that's good enough to beat anyone on their best day. They're also very vulnerable enough to lose to pretty much anyone on their worst day, and that's what makes them so exciting to watch. By by the way, my contractors who drive the the black van and and do the kidnapping, uh, they are praying that Oregon is never a number one seed as long as Mario Cristobal's <laughs> the coach. They don't want any part of Mario Cristobal. None. Well, I'll, I'll do you one. I'll do you one better. Especially if Minnesota wins the Big Ten title, twelve and one, we should have a fear of an episode of Fear Factor with the coaches vying for number five, or excuse me, for number four, between whether it's Mario Cristobal, PJ Fleck, you name it, and they got to go do something crazy. You gotta, like you got to lie in a pit of or snakes or have cockroaches <laughs> crawl over your body. Yeah, I'm I'm for that. You got to eat bugs. Let's do it. I mean, ESPN's turned this whole thing to a reality TV show anyway. You may as well make it fun. Exactly. Exactly. So, and you, who better to do it than those two guys? Oh, exactly. So the the one game we have not really talked about yet, but as you mentioned before, could really change a lot of stuff is Penn State, Ohio State this week. Ohio State has not really been challenged, although I'm not sure that's because they haven't played anybody. Wisconsin's right. good. They crushed Wisconsin. Cincinnati's good. Cincinnati's they crushed good, Cincinnati. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so it's not like they have not played teams that would test other teams. So what does Penn State have to do to go pull off that upset? Uh, really, 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 really sharp on offense. Get some pressure with a defensive line that seemingly has been neutralized the last two weeks and hope the safeties play better than they have the last two weeks. I mean, I was at, I was at that Minnesota game and – Sean Clifford was just off in the first half. He missed some throws. He had a couple bad interceptions. Uh, the the defense that had given up nine points per game just could not get to Tanner Morgan when Minnesota put a six guy up there to block. And it was like they forgot Rashad Bateman existed. Uh, Tanner Morgan went, I think, 18 of 20 that game, which you knew he was going to have to do something like that to win that game. You just didn't know if he was capable of it against what at that point was a top, I think, five defense. And he absolutely tore them up. So, uh, they need to be absolutely sharp on both sides of the ball. They can't leave points on the board. I mean, they've lost the last two games Ohio State by one point apiece, and they've blown big second-half leads in both those games because they probably didn't put those guys away uh, as early as they should have. And this is a much better Ohio State team than it has been the last two years. I, I, I would think this is a better Penn State team, at least than last year's team, probably not better than the 2017 team that had Joe Moorhead calling the plays and Saquon Parkley running the plays. Uh, but – that, coupled with maybe some bad weather, uh, I give them a puncher's chance, but but not much. It, it is crazy that we have this 9-1 versus 10-0 game day division-deciding matchup, and we're just getting to talk about that now because Ohio State has just looked so good, and that Minnesota loss just took so much of the air out of the balloon coming into this game 
that uh, it's very easy to overlook it, but it's not the most enticing week of games across the country, and it's still one that's very much worth watching and paying attention to because Ohio State's straight schedule is not that of LSU's, but you know what? That's a really good Wisconsin team. They beat by 31 in really bad weather, and that's a really good Cincinnati team. They beat by 42 earlier this season. So uh, I, I don't think we could hold Ohio State's schedule against them right now. No, and they're playing Michigan. They're playing Penn State this week, Michigan the following week, and probably the Big Ten West champ, who's either going to be Minnesota or Wisconsin again the week after that. So their their schedule will be fine. Their resume will be fine. Right. Uh, one thing I, I was listening to the Audible with our friends uh, Bruce Feldman and Stuart Mandel, and they were talking about LSU's defense, and I think it was Stuart who said. I think what you've seen means LSU's not going to win the national championship yep. because no, they, they're just too untrustworthy on defense. And, you know, I would have said before Saturday night, no, you know, it's, it's just them adjusting to playing the speed on offense. But they knew what was coming from Ole Miss, and they couldn't stop it. And I worry about that if you have to play a Clemson or an Ohio State. Yeah, it's so unlike – a Dave Aranda defense to have this many question marks, especially on a team that has been as impressive overall as LSU has so far this season. I mean, they are absolutely nothing like the makeup of the 2011 team that went undefeated and lost to Alabama in a rematch of the game of the century. And yet I can't help but coming back to that season where they're probably going to enter, assuming they beat Georgia in the SEC title game, they're going to enter the postseason with one of the most impressive regular season resumes that I can remember. And in 2011, it was the same way. I mean, they beat Pac-12 champion Oregon with Chip Kelly's coach. They beat eventual Big East champion uh, West Virginia, who ended up smoking Clemson that year in the Orange Bowl. And they win at Tuscaloosa against an Alabama team that obviously ended up winning the national title. I, I, I can't help but think the combination of the question marks you have on defense and the the number of opponents, good opponents you've played so far won't open up something on film for an Ohio State, for a Clemson, for probably not Oregon, but but maybe an Oklahoma. Uh, maybe a Georgia. I mean, a Georgia, we've, yeah. well, we've criticized yeah. Georgia's offense, but listen, this may not be as good a defense as, as Auburn's or Florida's, and Georgia's offense scored enough against those teams. So you know, maybe they score more against LSU, and it becomes a shootout like the Alabama-LSU game was. Which is funny because last year when Georgia played at LSU and Georgia was undefeated, and I think LSU had just lost at Florida a game before, I remember going in that game thinking, yeah, LSU's offense won't be able to keep up with Georgia's. And sure enough, they beat them by 20 points, and it was pretty much a beatdown from start to finish. And now uh, Georgia had a good defense last year. They have a great defense this year. It's not a complete role reversal, but I'm still like adjusting myself to this world where LSU's offense is king of the world because we've been promised this so many times by so many different offensive coordinators that you just never expect it to happen. And when it does, it's like, oh, my God. I mean, I just can't. Maybe Joe Moorhead to Penn State between 2015 and 2016, but I just cannot think of a team whose identity has shifted so much overnight. An elite team, uh, a playoff contending, national title contending team whose identity has shifted overnight and become so much more exciting to watch the way LSU's has. And yet – I don't want to say it's come at the expense of a defense, but that defense that was loaded with stars coming into the year just hasn't exactly lived up to its end of the bargain. And I understand where Stu's coming from when he says eventually it's going to catch up to you. Because when you look at, I don't think it's apples, apples comparison between Ohio state and Clemson because their schedules aren't as strong as LSU's, but like Ohio state and Clemson have elite defenses. I feel confident saying that 
regardless of the competition. Uh, I cannot say the same about LSUs, especially when weeks like last week's against underwhelming opponents happen. So, Matt, I, I want to shift gears because you do our Heisman straw poll. Uh, and, and by that, I mean uh, you track me down Sunday night because I'm usually <laughs> the last person to send my my votes in for said Heisman straw poll. But- I will say this. I've gotten an email from Bruce. I do the same with Bruce Feldman. And when I finally got an email from him, I got a, a warning saying, you've never received an email from this user. Do you trust him? Because he's never <laughs> replied to any of us. Well, you ju- you've just resorted to texting me. You don't even bother emailing anymore because you know you- you've got to get my yeah, I go straight to the source. <laughs> right there. So it feels like there has been a shift. Maybe it was after the LSU-Alabama game, but it certainly seems like uh, maybe the Chase Young suspension was a piece mm-hmm. of it too. But it feels like this is Joe Burrow's award to lose now yeah I mean I, I just can't there's no viable second candidate and I mean that's they're been good players I suppose if Justin Fields throws for 400 yards at each of his next three games against name ranked opponents he has a chance assuming LSU loses a game between now and then uh, Jalen Hurts has been like that guy who's been like really good but not great and like you know I had one person I think it was CJ Holmes who Sent me, sent me his ballot Saturday night. He had Justin Herbert at number three in the Oklahoma game at that point, I think it was 28 to three. And at the end of the game, he emailed me back saying, Oh my God, like take Herbert out, put Hertz in there at three because I got to reward him for that comeback. Even if these are my words, not CJ's, like Jalen was in large part responsible for getting him in that hole with some turnovers early on. But I, I think he's a good story and obviously a good player. I mean, Oklahoma is nine and one in a top 10 team right now. I think he's going to get to New York, barring a complete meltdown between now and then. Uh, I don't think he's going to win it. And I think you know, Joe Burrow, barring you know, knock on wood injury or like just getting absolutely destroyed by Georgia. Um, and even then, it's going to take, I think, Justin Fields or someone to do something big. I mean, I look at the last like September Heisman we decided who held up, and that was Lamar Jackson, who still won despite losing his last two games of the regular season. And being chased around by Houston and Kentucky's defenses. Yeah. And they're just – Deshaun Watson was awesome that year, and if we voted for it after the bowl game, Deshaun Watson probably would have won it. But uh, he had enough flaws statistically early on that season that it was just an impossible hole for him to dig out of. I, I don't think there are any flaws with Justin Fields other than the fact that he gets pulled out of the third quarter every game and just hasn't had – Hasn't been tested and hasn't had the opportunity to put up numbers. Now, the fact he's number three this week for the first time shows me that, hey, people are starting to realize this is an award that's based on a lot more than stats. And Justin Fields has absolutely looked like one of the best players in the country. Um, I think Chase Young missing the last two games and J.K. Dobbins rushing for less than 100 yards the last two games uh, has contributed to the, you know, you got to put someone from Ohio State there. And the quarterback looks like the surest thing right now, so let's put him there. Um, But it's going to take something monumental between now and then, I think, for Joe Burrow to lose. And it's somewhat similar to Tua last year, but Kyler was always right there at number two. Like, it was like, all right, Kyler had that loss to Texas, and he had two turnovers in it, and Tua has nothing against him now. And then the title game, the SEC title game happened, and the Big 12 title game happened, and it was like, okay, like, we can't stop saying it's just Lincoln Riley's offense because Baker Mayfield did this. Like, Kyler Murray is insane, and Tua, uh, you know, through no fault of his own, he got hurt. But, like, that was the the no-show or injury or subpar performance, however you want to frame it, that we had never seen from him before that humanized him and, I think, allowed Kyler to jump him at the end. But there, there's no one even close to Joe Burrow right now who I think can, can probably do that. 
I will point out to you, Matt, that this was the time last year. I believe it was actually, we're recording this Tuesday night. I believe it was a year ago today that Oklahoma shot the Kyler Murray shoulder pads and bat Bo Jackson homage. And remember, at that point, the Heisman was still two is to lose. And not a lot of people thought Kyler could get really into the into the mix to win it. And three weeks later, he won it. He, Tua was number one in every single straw poll we did last year until the last one. And even then, I was not convinced that he was going to beat Ky- or that Kyler was going to beat Tua in the actual Heisman voting. Um, I had a vote last year. I voted for Kyler, but it was like most people who voted for him, I assume, an 11th hour switch because. Like you said, Tua had such a sizable lead. He basically had a running head start because the first time we ever saw the guy play, he won a national championship, and his numbers took Alabama to another stratosphere offensively last year, while Kyler was, so it seemed, doing the same thing his predecessor had done in Oklahoma. Uh, but, But once you dove into the numbers and watched the film and saw each his last impression, it became readily apparent that yeah, Kyler probably deserves this more than Tua does, as crazy as that sounds. Because um, he, he, more than anyone, I think, at least out of playoff teams, single-handedly willed his team to the playoff. And he did it, it basically in spite of a defense that was doing everything it could to keep Oklahoma from getting to the playoff. And even the committee, I think, going in. I mean, we, we forget how hot Michigan was last year and how high everyone was on Michigan before that Ohio State game. I mean, it, it was going to take a lot for Oklahoma to get in the playoff. And... Uh, it, it took Michigan getting run off the field and a couple other things where, uh, yep, we're going to put them in again because they are the most exciting offense in college football, even with Tua at Alabama. Well, and, and I think in this case, Justin Fields could really insert himself into the race by having a big week this week and next week and then in the Big Ten championship game. But it would also, the, the part that, that would be missing, I think, is Tua had a, a okay-ish, not great game against Mississippi State, which had three first-rounders on defense, go figure, and then had a, a tough game against Georgia where he did not play as well as Jake Fromm did, then got hurt, then Jalen Hurts saved them. So I think that was what gave Kyler the, the window to win it. I can't see Joe Burrow having a horrific game against Arkansas or A&M. Now, maybe Georgia right. does something to shut him down, but nothing. we've seen nothing that would suggest LSU's offense gets slowed down by anybody, even a defense as good as Georgia's. Well, the storylines are just, it's like the circle of life. I mean, Justin Fields winning the Heisman because Jake Fromm, the guy who forced him to transfer, outduels Joe Burrow. The guy who left Ohio State. I mean, I'm just trying to like piece. <laughs> we, we, you've done it. And you've like, completed the, the transfer portal circle. <laughs> this is unbelievable. We really have, and we, and we have even gotten to like Jalen and Tua, which is the one we I, all. I think you just opened the Stargate, the Matt. The top three guys in the poll in our straw poll right now are all transfer quarterbacks. <laughs> if Jake Fromm could be the number three guy, it'd be even better, because. Then you'd have the, the, the real – well, I guess we'd have to get Tate Martell in there somehow. But I really do think <laughs> you, you close the circuit with, with that analysis right there and open the Stargate. 
And we have to leave it at that because we cannot get any better than you completely closing the transfer portal Stargate <laughs> on this podcast. I, this is this is my proudest moment as a broadcaster, and I didn't even do it. You did it. So, unbelievable. <laughs> if you want to listen to more Matt Fortuna, get thee to the Shamrock. You can hear Matt and Peep Sampson break down Notre Dame. They had a, a just dominant win against a good Navy team, and uh, they break all that down that episode is available wherever you get podcasts if you are a subscriber to the athletic then you also get a bonus episode of the shamrock every thursday last week they had joe schmidt on matt do, you, do we do we have a guest this week uh we are working on two right now we haven't Surprises. gotten a firm yes on either of them but we will uh yeah we'll, we'll uh you'll put the audience will probably find out right late, right after we do on thursday morning all the more reasons to sign up for the athletic so that you can listen to whoever it is that is coming on with <laughs> Matt. Maybe it'll be you, Andy. I don't it know. It might be me. And then you can listen to me again on Friday if you're subscribed to The Athletic. Perfect. The special Secret to Happiness edition. We give you the Secret to Happiness every Friday. We also preview all the big games. And this week it's going to be Find the Chaos. Where's the chaos coming from? That will be our mission on Friday. But we have effectively broken down the rankings. We have closed the transfer portal circuit which is just amazing Matt Fortuna it has been a highly successful episode of the Andy Staple Show all because of you thank you so much I will put that on my resume on my Twitter handle everything thank you Andy. all right that's